Hey friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today, coming at you live from my guest room that has now become our podcast studio. Hey, the music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Torn Wells. Make sure you grab a copy of his album, Citizen of Heaven. We're so glad to get to partner with IJM this week on the TSF Quarantine shows, as well as here on the regular That Sounds Fun podcast episodes. IJM is the largest anti-slavery organization in the world, and they work to rescue people out of slavery and sex trafficking and walk with survivors until they are restored and thriving in freedom. And we love sharing their stories of hope. And today's is about a young guy named Gideon and his brother. They were trapped in slavery on Lake Volta in Ghana for years. He doesn't know how old he was when he was trafficked because he was a child. But for years, he endured cruelty upon cruelty and didn't imagine he would ever escape. One day when he was just fishing out on the lake, another boat pulled up next to his. And it was full of IJM investigators who were trying to get a grasp on just how many kids were working on the lake. Gideon looked one of these investigators in the eye and bravely spoke up and said, don't leave me here with this man. He's wicked. Don't leave us. Well, it took an entire year of investigating and searching with authorities, but Gideon was rescued from that lake and later his brother was rescued too. IJM social workers and staff helped Gideon settle in at a shelter where he could begin his healing process. He even enrolled at a vocational school. And throughout his education, the IJM team was with him every step of the way. And when he graduated from school with his diploma and a special Best in Literacy Award, IJM staff were there to cheer him on, which I love. This story encourages me that on the other side of tragedy, hope is still possible. So you guys take a minute and go visit IJM.org slash hope with us to see more encouraging stories of hope from IJM and share them with your friends. People need stories of hope right now. Again, that's IJM.org slash hope with us. And while you have your browser open, can I invite you to go to shopanniefdowns.com because as of today, we have a store, friends. We have a store with t-shirts and koozies, sweatshirts, things for my mini BFFs. We have got it all. And for the first month, we are going to give a portion of our proceeds to CAP, to Christian Appalachian Project that you guys know we partner with as they are helping feed people who are affected by COVID-19 and who have lost their jobs. There's a real need right now for food in the communities that CAP serves. And so we're going to be a part of that. So make sure you go check out shopanniefdowns.com. I think you're going to love it. I'm really excited about it. We have got some really cute things for you guys. Today on the show is one of my new favorite friends. Y'all just aren't even ready. Okay, so a few months ago on the Love Better tour, we went through Houston and we got to go to NASA. Y'all, it was unbelievable. Who doesn't love space? We all love space. And with us on our tour was an astronaut's wife, Drew Morgan's wife. Her name is Stacy Morgan. And we ended up sitting by each other. We hit it off. We laughed. And I was like, okay. We need to hear this story on the podcast. My friends are going to love this. And today is the perfect day for you to get to hear Stacy's story as well as some of Drew's story because right now he is on a shuttle back to the planet Earth from the International Space Station where he has been for the last 10 months. So he actually lands overnight tonight, Thursday the 16th, and tomorrow morning we'll be able to watch the landing. It's so awesome. So I wanted to have Stacy on because we've just never gotten to hear a story like this of someone whose husband is in outer space and someone who is as cool as Stacy is. So I think you're going to love this conversation with my friend Stacy Morgan. 
Stacey, I win for being the worst podcast host slash friend ever because how many times did you ask me to send you a list of things we talk about? Probably like four. a whole bunch, a whole bunch yeah. of times. <laughs> <laughs> and I just forgot, Stacey, because I'm just so certain that we're going to be fine. And this is this is kind of a big deal for other people. You do it a lot, but the rest of us are kind of new yeah, this. I'm sorry. And remind us what Enneagram number you are. An eight, wing seven. An eight, right. Which is, it's unkind of me to, you don't, I mean, you know what eights say? I don't have to be a control, but don't control me. That's and right. I was, I was controlling you by not giving you the things. I wasn't doing it on purpose, Stacey. It's like passive aggressive control. <laughs> That's right. Just remember whose show this is, Stacey That's Morgan. Right. Oh, you um, think not. You are not going to prepare for this. At that's all. right. You will not be able. I'm going to lead with what I just read in your bio because you have a bio because you're fancy. Yes. Your bio says that you used to work at the Smithsonian. I did in college. Uh, my last two years of college, I was in DC and I needed a job, you know, to fill the time and pay my bills. And I worked at the Air and Space Museum at the Smithsonian. And at the time they had this gallery called How Things Fly. I think it might actually still be there. And it was the one gallery you could touch stuff. And yeah. so my job, my official job title was the best, my best job I ever had. My official job title was explainer. And oh, that was my, my job to walk around, explain things, do demonstrations about how airplanes work and stuff. And it was totally awesome. And I got like a discount at the gift shop, which at the time <laughs> felt really huge. <laughs> but guess where all my family got Christmas presents from? That's right. <laughs> I mean, you could not, were you and Drew already dating at that point? Yes. We had been dating for a couple of years at that point. And uh, yeah, so he also got Christmas presents from the Smithsonian. <laughs> from the Air and Space Museum long Space before That's he right. was a plan to be an astronaut. That's right. I mean, I tell him, I think I got hired in this industry long before he did. I mean, <laughs> I was an explainer, for goodness sakes. You were an explainer. That's right. right. You knew so much about science and space long before your husband lived there. That's right. Right. So remind me what date he comes home from the International Space Station. Okay. So he lands back on Earth on April 17th and he'll be okay. back in the U.S. the next day, the 18th. Okay. I mean, that is coming up. We're recording on the 3rd. That's coming up very soon. Yeah, exactly two weeks from today. So it's pretty wild. And he's been gone for ten nine months? Month, nine months. So, and then he had to leave a month early. Yeah. So he's been like away from our house for 10 months. Man, that is... That is crazy. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna talk about all those things, but first, I need us to continue down this space Smithsonian thing. <laughs> yes. Because one of the things I love about being friends with you, there's a lot of things I love about being friends with you already. But one of them is I have loved as I've learned your story how your your and Drew's story is one that it feels like God was very intentional to write a path into the story. Like, yes, it just feels like He's drawn a lot of very obvious lines in your life. Do you feel that's true too? I do feel that's true. I think, yeah, that's very true. I've always felt like there was a path, as you say, like that God was guiding us to pretty much in a lot of our big decisions. And then, you know, it's one of those things where at the time you don't always realize it, but a year later, 10 years later, you look back and you're like, whoa, <laughs> like, what was yeah. that? You know? Wow. Okay. So Stacy, back us all the way up because I want people to get a little bit of how you and Drew met and how y'all ended up in the same place. So will you back us up to college days? 
Yes. So at the end of my freshman year of college, Drew's junior year, we were both cadets together at West Point. Any military academy person listening will immediately, their ears are going to prick up because dating between the freshman class and other classes is prohibited until a certain period in the year. But this was after that point. I want to make that very clear. Everyone knows. We are rule followers. We did not meet until after that point. uh, And we started dating to the end of, I was Gosh, I was 18 when we first met, which is like insane when I think about that. And um, now I see why our parents were like, hmm. uh." (laughs) (laughs) At the time, we were like, almost 18, right? Yes, I'm a 16 year old. Yes. And that's, that's, I mean, like, of course, at the time, we were like, we know everything about the world that we will ever need to know. We are so mature. Yeah. But so we dated uh, for two years at West Point, and then he graduated. And I transferred to George Washington University in D.C., which was kind of near, relatively close to where he was going to medical school. And I finished out my degree and we got married after I graduated. Did you, were y'all believers in college? Yeah, we met actually in a club called Officers Christian Fellowship, which was like, you know, we met on Wednesday nights and you were in small groups. It's that kind of model. Yeah. Officers Christian Fellowship. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like... um, a Christian. It's like FCA. It's like Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. Catholic, That's right. It's like InterVarsity or Navigators or, you know, one of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you met him, you know, you and I have talked, we've been friends for a month now, almost officially yeah. a month. Season. It's been an intense month. It feels like Happy month anniversary to us. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it feels yes. like an intense month. Well, Cheers. it's partly, <laughs> we did become friends very fast in one day. And yes, then- we did. We got quarantined at the same time, which most people weren't quarantined yet with us. Right. That's right. And so we started watching the same Netflix shows. Yes. <laughs> and so it really sped up our friendship and I'm thankful for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a traumatic experience, but like in a good way. <laughs> but like in right. a good way. Yeah. We're like trauma bonded, but in like the best kind of trauma bonded way. That's right. And like you, I don't have any supervision in my life right now uh-huh. because I'm the only adult in my house. So if right. I want to binge watch four episodes of Tiger King in one night, I'm who's going to stop me? <laughs> who's going to stop me? Nobody. We do need our next show, by the way. Are you, have you moved I on? No. I'm not really. I'm very okay. disappointed by my choices the last few nights. It's been How do you disappointing. feel about one of the things I'm thinking about because HBO has made it free is McMillions. I saw that. I, I will admit I'm a little bit of an addict to like, I saw free HBO and I was like, you had me at free. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I know. So yeah. maybe McMillions is the next one we do. That sounds good to me. I'll Have do you heard whatever. anything about it? Uh, nothing. It's like, it's like how the, um, McDonald's millionaire monopoly game has been fixed all along. Oh my goodness. I love it for so many reasons. One being, I I really used to be into that game when I was in junior, like in junior high school, like when you really thought you could win. Yeah. When you, when you were like collecting them, I know. So apparently that's what it's about. Again, I haven't watched it yet. And so if someone's yelling at their phone or their car or whatever, that we're picking a very inappropriate, terrible show, we don't know. We just have heard. Mm -hmm. That's right. That we have no like idea. Millions. Right. So, okay, well, we need to find another one. Okay, so we're trauma bonded because we met a month ago. But I, I just would love to hear when you're talking about this like um, season of college when you and Drew met, but then y'all are only 18. And you and I have talked enough about my personal life that, and everyone knows I'm not married yet. But h- how soon did you think this is my husband? 
Uh, I, I think he came to that more faster than I did. I mean, ah. you know, I wasn't thinking, I'm kind of a short-term thinker. I have a hard time thinking like farther than six weeks out. And he's like, planning his retirement when he's like 25, right? So oh, wow. uh, I think he was always looking, thinking more forward thinking than I was. And I was very much feeling 18, 19 years old at the time. And it was yeah. like, hey, you know, and I don't know, it was one of those things. I remember waking up one morning and like thinking about him and having this weird realization, like he, he has everything I'm looking for. Like there's nothing weird or wrong with him. <laughs> That's yeah. like, there's no real flex. There's no, like, and it was a weird realization to think that this guy, like, this is a really quality person who I could see myself with for a long time. Like this might be someone that I changed my life for in the short term and the long term. Yeah. And that was kind of a new, I think he was probably, you know, the first guy that I really deeply felt that about. So what got it worked out? Yeah, that's right. You're like, good thing, good thing. I felt those deep things because he married. Yeah. What made you go to West Point? I don't know this answer. Oh well, I think I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I was I've always been interested in a lot of things and had a hard uh -huh. time kind of narrowing down what do I want to really focus on. I don't really like focusing on one thing in my life, and so. Uh, funny story. I didn't know where I wanted to go to school. I knew I didn't want to stay in the local area. There's, I grew up just outside of Boston and I love Massachusetts and there's lots of awesome schools, but I knew I kind of wanted to be a little farther away from home. So mm -hmm. I wandered into my guidance counselor's office, uh, when they still had college brochures, <laughs> like, and, yeah, that's how sure. you, like yep. did that. and I was like browsing, which makes me laugh thinking like, <laughs> like looking future and I'm like browsing, right? I'm like yes, yes. dropped with this off that day. And I randomly found one about uh the army. And I think it was just an army brochure, but that sparked me going online and requesting some information about West Point as uh and learning about the military academies in general. And the more I looked into it, I was like, wow, I'm really I was an athlete and I loved their emphasis on athletics. I've always been kind of a natural leader and I was very interested yeah. in what they said about leadership and um and kind of being a part of something bigger than yourself and very academically strenuous, um, just all of it. And you were I just like an the, eight, even back then. You were like, what yes. could be hard that yeah. I would be really proud of myself for doing? Yeah. What would be hard and a path that a lot of people don't choose? And um, especially as a woman, you know, like there's more women there now than there was then, but, you know, sure. still not a majority by any stretch. So it was a challenge in that way too. And so the more I looked into it, the more I just felt like this is a good fit for me. And it was. And uh, the reasons I chose to transfer are, are kind of complex and multi-layered, but it was the best in many ways, some of the best years of my life. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about leadership, certainly met Drew there. And that has helped me. Those two years have really helped me support him in a way that, you know, a lot of other military spouses don't get to experience because it's, it's hard to understand some of that warrior mindset, um, some of those leadership things, unless you've also been taught them and you've also lived into that for a period mm. of your life. So yeah. that has really helped me like when other spouses might be like, I can't believe you're letting him do that course or go to that thing or be gone that long or why doesn't this bother you or whatever. And like, I don't know. I just get it. Like I get it at a different level because that's- Yeah, because really you are on the inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have never thought about that, Stacey, that, that there's something you understand that a lot of other military spouses don't get the opportunity to understand because you've been on both sides of this. 
Yeah. And I think it's something you can kind of learn as time goes on, but I kind of came into it at an advantage because I'd had those two years for sure. Were you, did you enlist? No, when you join, when you go to the academy, you're you're on the track to be an officer, so you're never in the enlisted ranks. But uh, you're not quite. You're not you're not an officer till you're commissioned after graduation. But that's the path that you're on. And so Drew did that. Yes. So he was. He got commissioned right after graduation, and then immediately went to medical school. And so uh, halfway through his medical school is when I graduated. We got married, and then he went straight into residency. And then, um, of course, while we were in medical school is when 9-11 happened. And so that changed everything. I mean, the military that we joined, right? I mean, the way we had been trained and what we thought our military career was going to look like completely changed after 9-11. And we were in Washington, D.C. when that happened. And so that was pretty crazy. But everything changed, right? So he still had two more years of medical school left, uh, or sorry, one more year of medical school left when 9-11 happened. Um, but all of, a lot of his classmates and our friends were already deploying over to Afghanistan and uh, you know, not long after that into Iraq and stuff. But we still had a few years of residency to get through before yeah. he was deployable. But uh, as a military doctor, you kind of have a choice. Do you want to be more in a hospital or more kind of attached to a unit? And we knew from the get-go that I knew that special operations and being with soldiers was where his heart is. He talks about that a lot, even now. Um, And so as soon as we graduated from residency, we joined the special operations community. And that's where we spent the, you know, we continue to feel like we are still part of the special operations community, but that's the rest of his service in the army. Before we came to NASA, it was all in special forces. And so that's where he did all of his deployments, Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, and other trips and training and stuff like that was all with special forces. Yeah. And so I want to ask questions down that path, but I do want to say to people, because it's special forces, there's a lot of stuff y'all can't tell us, which is fine. Yeah. And there's lots of, I don't even know. Like, I don't, people like, oh, tell me the truth. I'm like, I don't know the truth. (laughs) You're like, I don't. So that's what I was going to ask you, Stacey, because I think it's so interesting for you as a wife and as Drew's best friend, like, and, you know, what is it like? Because there are so many people listening who have someone up close to them that doesn't, that can't tell the whole story that you have to just trust. How did that, how did y'all have enough trust already built that that's okay with you? And were there days where it wasn't okay? I mean, there are certainly days where out of my own sense of curiosity and like feeling like I need to know everything, I would uh-huh. be, anno- I'd be annoyed if there was something that he wouldn't tell me. Like there's, I know there's more to that story. Come on, spill the beans, yeah. tell me, tell me. And he's very good at keeping secrets. He's far better at keeping secrets than I am, which is again, probably why he used surveys as special forces. But yeah, they're not calling me but, either, Stacey, yeah, just so I don't you know. Understand. Like they might have misplaced <laughs> my number. But um or maybe I am, and that's just what I would say. I mean, but, that is know? what I hope in my heart that you can just tell me when we get to heaven. <laughs> that's right. But you know, he would tell me what he could tell me, you know, and I'd have to trust that like everything else, you know. And it, you know, it's like certainly you want it to be like a movie. And you uh-huh. know, but you have to at some point you have to just accept like. I will maybe never know that whole story, but yeah. he has always been also good at journaling. And so something that helped us even get through conversations and like debriefing what he experienced in deployment was I would read his journals. And of course they're not journals, like girl journals, like there's yeah. nothing about his feelings or like, right. yeah. it's like this happened today. You know, it's like data driven, like, you know, kind of just narrative but then I could read it and ask him questions based on what 
he had written, which was really helpful to start the conversation. Like, oh, so you said this, like, how was, like, how was that for you? Because it's really hard for them. They experienced so much. I mean, and we're very much experiencing a lot of the same thing here with space. Like so much is happening. How do you, when someone says like, so how was it? Like, where do you- How was space, right? How was was Afghanistan? How was the war? Like, you can't answer that question. It's impossible. It's, it's everything. You know, and so it helps to be like, hey, I read on this one day, this one thing happened. Can you tell me more about that? Or like, was that hard? Was that, you know, how was that? And that allowed us to have a lot of, I think they were great conversations that I felt a part of what he was doing. And it allowed him to talk about it in a healthy way without feeling like he's, you know, having a therapy session or something. With yeah, me. right. And when y'all, when he's, because he was deployed as well, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So during deployment and during, which again, to me is such a story that God was telling all along, y'all had no idea space was in your future. Like literally living in outer space was your future, but you have done a deployment where he was in a different country and unable to come home. Yes, we did three big deployments, two to Afghanistan, one to Iraq. And um, yeah, there are a lot of similar elements between you know, with combat deployment as there is to, I mean, this is like a space deployment. It's just a yeah, little, yeah, that's right. But there are a lot of really similar elements to it. Yeah. Tell me what you, this is a question you're going to wish I'd given you ahead of time. Sorry. Oh, friend. Right. Tell me what you know about God that I don't know about God because you've lived through multiple deployments. I think that no matter, like, no matter how bad it is, no matter how dark it is, God is always there. Even if mm. you can't feel him, even if it feels like how how could you let this happen? This is this is terrible. This feels like you're in a like I remember going to funerals and sitting in these funerals with these men like so young, you know, so shocking like and everyone is weeping and crying and it feels like and and meanwhile oh. Drew's still over there. You know, this is still right. happening ongoing. And you're thinking like, we had a period where there was a month where we had like four guys in one month or something. I mean, it was just, it just kept happening. And it was like, what is going on? And I remember a friend saying, you know, you have to remind yourself that like the sun will still rise tomorrow. Like Mm. no matter how bad today is, the sun will still rise tomorrow. And it was like, it's true. You know, God is always there, even when things are terrible and he will still cause the sunrise to happen tomorrow. And yeah. that's like a promise every day, you know, like it's a new day. Today was terrible. It, it can only get better from here. Yeah. Cause I think, I mean, I think if there's something I similar to that, that has come true to me in this quarantine stay at home life is that it's just my opportunity to see that God is who he really says he is. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think, it feels like, especially when you feel it at deployment, you feel it in quarantine, like it feels like it's always going to be like this. Like it will never be different. But um, I learned like it will, it doesn't feel like it now, but there's always an end where it gets better. And you have to force yourself to focus on that light at the end of the tunnel because it will come. It's just a matter of like, how miserable are you going to make yourself between right. now and when it ends? Yeah. Do you know, Stacey, that's one thing that I said to someone just yesterday is I was like, here's what no one is saying about COVID-19. No one is saying this is the rest of our lives. No one is. It's true. Like, that's not what they're saying. Everyone is saying there is an end. We just don't know when it is. And, And I have kind of had to tie myself to that a little bit. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have to re- you have to force yourself to remember at some point, whether it's in six weeks or six months or six years, like this will end. Yeah. And so you have so in some ways you have to prepare for when it's over. Like we're all working hard to just like keep our head above water while we're in it. But oh, there's some, that's interesting. You know, you have to also prepare for when it's done. Like you can't be like caught on your heels when this is all done. Like, okay. So what does that look like? What does it look like to prepare for the thing to be over? I mean, you're in the middle of doing it because Drew gets home from space in three weeks, two weeks. Yes. What does it look <laughs> like? You're like, yeah, Annie settle. I, I know a lot to do before then. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think about, you know, I like a lot of trust. Like I get like a lot of my friends and people I know are very stressed about like schoolwork and stuff with the kids. And like, yeah. for me, like, yeah, it's totally stressful. Like four kids. I'm like, Lord help me, please. <laughs> like yeah. we'll go back to school tomorrow. But I have to trust that like next year when this goes in, like teachers are amazing. They are going to adjust like whatever their teaching plans are for the fall. <laughs> they will yeah. make up the shortfall that we parents are unable to do. Like I have full yeah. trust in their ability to do that. Or organizations that I belong to, like I work at my church and I work for mops and like we're talking to people about like you have to keep your organizations going because when this comes out, you can't have done nothing between now and when you want to restart because you will, lose, oh, wow. you know, you will lose interest. You will lose people. You will lose any momentum you had. Like you can continue to do things, but you have to plan for when you are back together. Otherwise you won't wow. have any reason to get back together when it's yeah. all done. Yeah, that's right, man. And, and, and there's no like manual for this for y'all, right? No, or is right. there more do people? I mean, because I guess people have been deployed for lots of generations and right. families have reconnected, but it's but every relationship is so different. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I have like when it comes to the NASA family and the astronaut kind of community, we're a small group, we're really tight. I've got lots of people who are would you know happy to sit down and share their experiences with me and give me their advice. But I think they all admit like we've never done it quite like you're about to do it. <laughs> so Yeah, explain why that is to people. Yeah. So um normally they land and then they're home within 24 hours and they may spend a couple nights, the crew will spend a couple nights at the crew quarter facility on Johnson Space Center just to do some med checks and they're collecting science off of them and they have lots of meetings and they're just checking on them for a couple of days. But by night three, they're normally home and kind of with you yeah. and they go in during the day and they're doing stuff. But um, like by day three, they're kind of, you know, interacting normally with the family again. Yeah. And that is not what's happening this time. So there's yeah. because of, uh, you know, because of the virus they're treating them, you know, they do come back a little bit. Their immune system is not as strong from coming back from space, which is, I find fascinating. And, it yeah. takes them, you know, and they're not, they take uh, blood work and they figure out, you know, when their white blood cells are back to normal, but they will keep them in crew quarters for a full week just to make sure about that. And then everybody who comes in contact with them has to have been in full quarantine for at least two weeks or have full protective gear on. I mean, and of course this plan could change at any moment based on what's happening with the world. Right. So for us as a family, it makes things a little bit more complicated because as of today, the kids and I are in a two week full quarantine, no leaving the house, no no doing anything so that when he does get home, we can. You're as pure as possible. Yeah, exactly. And take our temperatures, all that same stuff you had to do for two weeks yep. like, in your house, yep. same deal. And of course, like if any of us, 
you know, spike a fever or show any symptoms, then like, forget it. We won't be able to see him when he gets home for at least a week yeah. uh, wow. until they feel like his immune system is back up to where it needs to be. But yeah. Yeah. We've never done it this way. It's, it's complicated on so many levels. All the logistics are totally different. We can't travel through Europe the way they normally would to get home. There's all kinds of different. And, did, and originally when we were with you in Houston, the original plan was you were going to get to go to where he lands in, in Kazakhstan and be there with him, right? Or was no, I making that up? You're making that up. <laughs> I do that. I tend to do that. That's so right. we, it happens. The family, norm, because they come home so quickly, we do go to Kazakhstan to watch the launches, which are incredible. But yeah. um, norm, we are here for the launch and we watch them, usually for mission control. Not sure if that's happening because mission control is locked down in order to keep all the, you know, the important people who keep all that stuff running healthy. Yeah. So we're not sure about how that's going to work. Worst case scenario, I watch it from home and, yeah. um, you know, somebody kind of supports me and the kids in that, uh, but we're hoping. Yeah. Did they have like counselor kind of people that'll come sit with you? Is that because you, when you texted me that yesterday, I thought, oh, I can't wait to ask her tomorrow what a support person is. Yeah. I mean, or is it another wife? No, it's usually another astronaut who oh, cool. like, you know, has experienced it and can kind of be like, okay, if you're one, like, let me tell you what he's doing now. Let me tell you what, or what they're doing to him right now or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they're just with you. You have escorts with you for the launch. Uh, a couple astronauts came with us who are awesome and they just kind of like take care of everything for you and yeah. tell you what to do and are there in case something goes sideways, they're there to facilitate anything you need. And then- yeah. Same thing. On and the Drew end. will turn around and do this for astronauts in the future. Yes, he has done it before. Yeah. And oh, he, cool. I'm sure he, yeah, and he will do it again. And um, we do have crew psychologists who are Drew's support and they also support me, which has been yeah. awesome. I'm very yeah. pro psychologist. And it's been awesome yeah, to have some like a professional to talk to who can be like, yeah, those feelings are normal. Those feelings are great. Yes, that's definitely something we should continue to unpack. And like, yeah, he can talk about it with me. He can talk about it with Drew. A lot of talk about expectations when he gets home and what that looks like and new routines and that kind of stuff. I mean, look back, like just blink back to your 18 year old self who decided to go to West oh Point. I mean, could you have ever dreamed that in a, in a handful of years? I mean, y'all, you know, y'all are we about the same age? I graduated college about 20 years ago. Yeah, I graduated. Yeah, I'm a little bit less than yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, man, 20 years ago, could you have ever dreamed that you would be the wife of a of the longest staying astronaut in the International Space Station? Isn't he like the longest by a few days? He's, he's number four in the number four. lineup. Number four, which is, you know, that's long enough. That's good enough for us. Um, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. keep making up stats yeah, about dreams. Okay. So that's fine. It's but okay. I do know he has the most spacewalks. That's he true. Does. I think I think he does. I have to, I have to I check those numbers. That, right? I think so. Yeah. I think he has for, for one mission, I think he might have yeah. the record for the most in one mission. But I know I like so when he proposed, he said something like he could tell you exactly the words, but it was something like I pro like I promise like a life of adventure or something. And, oh, and wow. at the time I was like, that's delightful. Yes, sure. <laughs> now, there have been several points in our marriage where he has proposed something crazy or like, hey, I want to like, hey, I want to apply to the astronaut program yeah. or I'm going to go into special forces or whatever. And when I was like, mm, he's like, hey, I promised you a life of adventure. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not what I thought you meant. That's right. What did you do the day that he came home and was like, Hey, I've got this crazy idea. I want to apply to be an astronaut and move us to Houston. 
I was crazy. I mean, I remember distinctly because he came home and he was like huge news. He was all amped up. And, you know, we are deep in special forces at this point. And yeah. And living in D.C. Living out just outside of D.C. And, you know, in order to make that lifestyle work, like many jobs, you, like you have to be all in or yeah. be miserable. Right. And so we were all in. And um, he comes home one day all amped up and he's like, I'm so excited. Like, you're not going to believe this. NASA has opened the application window for a new class of astronauts. And I was like, blink, blink. Okay. Like whatever, like chickens on sale today. <laughs> like, who cares? Right. Like, I don't, are we just like exchanging random pieces of information? We were right, right. <laughs> like, what are we doing? And he, I'm like, why are you telling me this? Like, what? and he's like, I want to apply. And I was like, well, I wanted to be like a ballerina pop singer. <laughs> Like, I don't know, engineer or something when I was a kid, but that's not where my path has led us. So that's yeah. not it. And he's like, no, I could, you know, I want to apply. And I remember he said, because it was very, looking back, you're like, hmm, this was really cemented in my brain. He was like, don't worry, because we're supposed to be moving to Germany and we were really looking forward to it. And he was yeah. like, don't worry, NASA has never selected an army physician astronaut before. So the sure. And so you're like, okay. I was like, he's like, likely to being selected, very small. Don't worry. And the joke was like, don't worry, you'll always be a NASA applicant, right? Like, <laughs> like, oh, oh, right. Because okay. didn't his brother, didn't you tell me his, his brother, brother applied yeah, too? his brother applied too. And so we like, we let, like my sister-in-law, we joke about like, oh, aren't they cute? Like applying together is just so cute. They'll both get rejected together and we'll like hang up right. the letters on the wall. And every Christmas we'll joke about how you'll always be a NASA applicant. Except right. he just kept making the cuts. And every round <laughs> I was like, what the flip is going on? Like, we're right. supposed to be moving to Germany next year. And, and again, it'd be like, uh, you know, like, it's not going to happen. Like I met, you know, every round he'd meet these amazing people who are also applying and he'd be like, they're amazing. Yeah. They're so like, not only are they geniuses and like so smart, they're like awesome people, you know, <laughs> like yeah, I yeah. tell you they were jerks, but they're not jerks. They're super right, awesome right. people. And he took, he's like, there's no way, like they're amazing. But he just kept making the cut. And then it got down to like the smallest pool of people before they make their final selection. And it's like, you know, 40 or 50 people. And honestly, they're all so amazing in their respective fields. And there's just awesome people that you could pick any combination of those people and probably have an amazing class of astronauts. Yeah. And there's all kinds of yeah. choices, that go, you know, decisions that go into how they choose that. But, you know, it was like, 50 50 at that point we felt it was like 50 50 it was actually yeah. smaller than that because his class only had eight people in it so it was really small but you know it was still like you have no choice but to continue with the path that you were on until you hear otherwise uh -huh. so we, we were still like our movers were coming the next week we had and how many our, kids did y'all have at this point we have the four kids at that point all four of them you already had by that point Yes. And so oh like things God. were happening, like we were planning this move. We we're supposed to be moving the next month. I mean, it was like life was moving on no matter what crazy scheme yeah. to come up with. And I remember I came home from the grocery store one day. Well, I got a call. Drew called me. I was at the grocery store. He called me and he was like, where are you? And I was like, I'm at the grocery store. Like where the heck else would I be? <laughs> like, right. a, like, It's a Tuesday or something, you know? Right. And um, he's like, well, can you get home like right away? And I'm like, well, as soon as they finish bagging my groceries, I'll be home. <laughs> You're like, that is my next stop. Yeah, it's home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not going anywhere else. Like, I'll, I'll skip the club on the way home. All right. I'll skip the club. <laughs> and so I got home and he's waiting in the garage. And I'm like, this is weird. Why are you in the garage? 
Yeah. He's like, I have bad news. And I'm like, what is it? And he's like, we're not going to, we don't get to move to Germany. NASA just called and they want, like, they offered me a spot in the newest class. And he was emotional. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, and, and that was, I mean, that was it. That was it. And then yeah. it was like, life went on fast forward. We had to turn everything off for Germany, turn everything on for Texas completely. It felt like you were picking your train up off of one set of tracks and putting them on. And so within a month we had moved from Virginia to Texas, bought a house, registered the kids for school because I think his first day of work was like August 1st. And yeah, you know, and so we, we had school that had to start all that kind of stuff. So it was a whirlwind. And the next thing you know, like, we're at NASA. Here we are. Six months, and six with- years later, he's on flipping space station. So there you go. Right. <laughs> six years later, he moved to space. And he moved to space without us. Yes. <laughs> hey, friend, just interrupting this conversation with Stacy to tell you about one of our favorite partners, Third Love. Y'all, I'm telling you, I don't know a partner y'all talk to me more about than Third Love. Third Love does bras differently. They believe that every woman deserves to feel comfortable and confident every day. And with the right kind of support, they help us do this. They make bras we can believe in. Every bra is backed by their perfect fit promise and 60 days to wash it and wear it. And if you don't love it, returns are always free. And I love this because any bras that get returned, Third Love takes all those bras and donates them to women in need and charities, particularly in their local San Francisco Bay Area, but also across the United States. And so far, Third Love has donated over 15 million bras. But listen, I absolutely love my Third Love bras. I know a lot of you gals do too. It's easy to figure out which one is right for you. The Fit Finder quiz is so fun. It's so easy. Over 15 million women have taken it to date. It's really takes like less than a minute because did you know that your shape matters when you're finding a good fit and bra, not just size. And Third Love helps you identify both and find the styles that fit your body best. Hands down, my favorite bra, the most comfortable one you will ever own. Straps that don't slip, labels are tagless so there's no itching and it's lightweight super thin memory foam cups that mold to your shape third love knows there's a perfect bra for each of you gals out there so right now they're offering my friends 15 percent off your first order so go to thirdlove.com slash sounds fun right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15 percent off your first purchase that's thirdlove.com slash sounds fun for 15 percent off today and now back to the show I want to know going on in your head those days. I mean, you're, again, you're self-identified as an Enneagram 8. So yes. these are not the things that spin you out. You're like, I can get this done. I can move my family. Right. I can change these. Da, da, da. Yeah. But like, what are you saying to God? Like what's going on in your spiritual life when you had one plan that had just gotten taken away and a brand new one given to you? Yeah. I mean, I had definitely like any Enneagram 8, I had carved my niche in especially leadership positions in organizations I was involved with that were very very heavy, knowing that we were moving to NASA, which is not in a large military community. He's still active. A lot of astronauts are still active duty, but there's not like a base here and with all the military. Oh, so there are a lot of astronauts uh, military. Yes. You wouldn't necessarily know because they don't wear their military uniforms all the time. They wear the blue flight suit, but um, they they are. And, um, but we're not, but it's all the branches. And so 
There's only three active duty army astronauts right now. And so it's not like you have big giant army contingent. We're not a part of like a giant military unit. Like you have what we were used to. And for me, it was a like, okay, I'm excited for this new chapter. I think, I don't really know what it's going to mean for me, but what does it mean? Like, where is my, like, where do you want me to serve now, Lord? Like, where am I leading? Because yeah. I should say this. I don't ever ask. <laughs> I should. But I don't ask, where do you want me to serve? I'm often like, where do you want me to lead, Lord? Yeah. Like, show me the group you want me to take control of. That's <laughs> all it says, right? See, this is why we were so fast friends, yeah. Daisy. <laughs> like, show me your directionless group of people. Like, uh, and let me lead them. Let me lead them. Like, like <laughs> Moses descending from... <laughs> with the tablets. Like I'm here, you're savior. And that's my pride, you know, that I need to offer. And really the first year we were here was a rough transition because I was not used to being in a non-military community. It was harder for me to connect with people. I felt very lonely. I mean, from day one, we got here, Drew was off of the races with his job. And so he was gone and, you know, their classmates become their like best friends right off the bat because they're thrown into these intensive training experiences and, PR events and they're always together and all that kind of stuff, which is great. But I, I didn't realize how much the military community smooths your transition for you. You know, when you live near a military community, they're used to people coming in and out. And so when you sign kids up for school or you go to sign up for a program or whatever, they're used to people coming in and out and they have adjusted their language and their processes to make it easy and as painless as they can. Ah. In other areas, and this is like a great learning point for people who always ask, like, how can we support our military community? Yeah. When we come into a new community, if someone has lived in a town for like 20, 30 years, maybe you should have somebody read that handout that they're about to push out who didn't always grow up there, right? Because I can't tell Ah, you how many like handouts or instructions I got that assumed I knew how something worked assumed I knew where that place was, yeah. assumed that I knew, even assumed that I knew that I had someone I could ask questions to. And I really yeah. didn't. And, and like, like that you knew the abbreviations of things. That's right. It's like log into the right. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what the heck is the blah, blah, blah. I've never, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't yeah, even yeah. know what you're talking about. You know, like right. just things that were, cause there was an assumption that you've always been here and that's not necessarily true. Yeah. And so it was a rough year. I had a hard time, um, kind of meeting people because of myself. Like, I think I, sure. I think I lived my life thinking that one day I was going to be sitting in my living room by myself, which I often was, and the phone was going to ring and some woman was going to be on the other end and she was going to be like, hey, you have never spoken to me uh, and yeah. you've never like stopped to smile or anything at me, but I have not, I've watched you like run across the preschool parking lot and I think yeah. we can be best friends and I'm awesome and you're awesome. And like, <laughs> that phone call never came, you know, and I didn't, these people, like it took me being proactive to yeah. invite people and get to know people, have people over, like put myself out there. And that was really hard. But it, so it took like a full year probably before I was like, okay, I, I have people, yeah. I know what's going on. Like, and, but you know, I said the same thing to people about Nashville, Stacey, where, I, where oh, I'll say to people, I wish I could tell you it's faster than a year, but it's actually not. It, it's a, it's a slope. It gets better, right. but it, it takes, it took me a year before I felt like, I had a spot here. Yeah. I mean, I can, I think unless you're intentional about it, it will take as, it will take as long as you let it take is what oh, I think. Say that. I mean, yeah, I, I really right. do. Like 
when things changed considerably, when I took responsibility for meeting people, getting plugged in, when I decided I couldn't live like this anymore and I needed right. people. Yeah. And I got How close after it. you got to Houston, did you start working at the church? Oh, I didn't start working there for probably three years. I've been working there oh, for okay. three years. Yeah. So, you know, my kids were still in school at the time. It wasn't until my youngest went off to kindergarten that I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I need something to do. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. and, the, and the opportunity presented itself and it was a good fit. So how old are your kids now? Okay. So I have a third grader, a fifth grader, an eighth grader, and a 10th grader. So and you're homeschooling all of them and their dad lives in space. Oh, yeah. Let me be clear. I am not homeschooling them. Okay. <laughs> I am distance learning them, which is oh, that's very a great, different. Okay. Yes. Different. That's great. There's no homeschooling going on because that would imply <laughs> that like, I'm not just reading an email and immediately just doing whatever the email says and then like yeah. moving on to the next thing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Uh, I love teachers. Teachers are my favorite people. I am the daughter of a lifetime elementary school teacher, public school teacher. So oh, wow. I get it. And um, yeah, I mean, these women, like never again will we complain, right? That teachers right. should not be paid so much. I right. mean, yeah, it's, cra- it's crazy town over here trying to get them all through that stuff while at the yeah. same time, like deal with whatever. Just my life was already really weird before everything with the Rona happened, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's it's right. Like the rest of the world just caught up to my level of weird, weird of life. Weird, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, trying to explain to Drew how sideways things are right now, like, cause they know it's, they know what's going on. They have the news, they have all that kind of stuff, but so yeah. many aspects of this, like, how can you explain what it's like to go to the store and see that there is no toilet paper of right. any brand or, or any clean, like it's so weird or standing outside in the line to get in or just all yeah. the weird things now until you experience it. Like, how can you fully understand how weird it is? And so right. he kind of gets it, but but not really. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a real shocker. Yeah. You're like, guess what? We're all shocked too. And we're three weeks into it. So yeah, that's right. when that's you right. come back, will you talk about how y'all get to communicate while he, how's it different communicating with him in space versus when he was deployed? Good question. Okay. So some things are very similar. We can email each other. That was the same. We can, I can email him. He can email me. Uh, that was the same with deployments. Um, he can call me. I cannot call him. Yeah. Uh, and that's similar to deployment also. Really? Yeah. We, I would say, I mean, the communication stuff is very similar. The only difference is like on deployments, you could do video chat kind of like whenever you wanted to, because you were using your own computer to do that. Yeah. You could do it through Skype or whatever. The way it works right now when he's on the space station. So he can call me. Now they are five hours ahead. They work off of Greenwich Mean Time. So like he likes to call us before he goes to bed, which is right. always the worst time of the day for us. Like it never, <laughs> it never right. fails. It's like homework time. Ginger. Now, of course, this was all like before our schedules got completely turned upside down. Now it's like, yeah. call whatever you want because it's a That's circus right. over here. I don't That's care. Right. You know, who knows what we'll be doing? I may still be in my pajamas and eating pancakes at five o'clock at night. I don't even know. Right. So um, right. he calls whenever. But yeah, he calls and then we video chat once a week. But that is through a different kind of system that has to go through mission control. So oh, yeah, it's like a NASA thing, right? Like yes. NASA has to control all of it. Yeah. So it's like I log in and then some, then he logs in and then we're like connected through a screen at video, uh, mission control. 
So okay. that's a little bit, that's a little strange. And um, yeah, but, you but know, they, they said to us, if correct me again, if I'm wrong, cause I keep making up stories about Drew that <laughs> they technically leave y'all when you, once they, once they connect him with your family, NASA people pull out of the conversation well, or is that on the phone? There's well, no, the phone, he, he is direct to me. We don't have to worry about like eavesdroppers on the phone. Cause that's, yeah. like, he calls me like through an internet phone and I um, ah, got it. That's one to one. That is shocking that he can just call you I from know. outer space on an internet phone. It is true. Like sometimes he'll call and like sometimes calls will drop or the, whatever. And I'll be like, uh, like when eventually sometimes like the call will drop and it'll take him like 10 minutes or whatever to call me back. And when he does, I'll be like, Ugh, like that took forever. Like what took you so long to call me back? And he'll be like, listen, I am in a flipping spaceship traveling at 17,500 <laughs> miles an hour around the globe. Like get, cut, cut, cut a little slack. Right, right, like, right. Oh, whatever, fine. So um, yeah, the video chats, I mean, there is someone kind of like, kind of monitoring it to make sure that there isn't a problem. Like if we had sure. a tech problem there, they would fix it for us. But they, yes, they are supposed to back out of it. And I fully, let me, hear me, NASA, when I say I fully trust that you do what you say you do <laughs> and you right. back out of that conversation. Um, That's right. You know, it's very, like, although just in case, we certainly don't talk about anything. <laughs> like, well, sure. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. But um, it'd be very boring. Like, do you want to hear my third grader talk about her science project? Then by all right. means, listen in because right. you'll, you'll get an earful. Have y'all ever seen him fly by? Yes. You know, you would think you'd see it more often, but because of the way they orbit, you know, they're not always over the same spots all the time. So yeah. it seems like he comes over us about, I don't know, about once a month, but then they're not always at night. Sometimes they're like at 2am and you're like, mm, we'll, we'll catch the next one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then if it's cloudy, then you can't see anything. So we've probably seen him go over maybe five times in the last nine months. And it is, I mean, it's crazy. Because yeah. I like watch it and usually, so if it's, you know, if it's evening time for us, it's probably at least six o'clock at night, which means he's asleep. And so watching that, oh, right. you know, watching that light, you know, if anybody's watched the space station fly over, you know, it's, it looks like a very bright star, but it moves in a completely straight line across, you know, in a big arc across the sky. And that's how you can kind of know it's a space station and not an airplane or um, and you can else, track right? it if you go on their website or something, right? You yeah, can see the, when it's coming any, over you. Any star tracking apps or astronomy apps like has yeah. that on there. Yeah. And um, But it's very bright and you can track it all the way until it goes you know, behind the trees or horizons or clouds or whatever. And watching this light and, and realizing like he's in that that, that little pinprick, like he's in there in his sleeping bag that's attached to the wall, like floating and sleeping right now is totally <laughs> freaking me out. Like so weird. That is so right. weird. I, I can't even, like the brain has a hard time. Like, is that real? Like, are you yes. am I getting punked? Like, is right, right. Is my husband really in a sleeping yeah. bag attached really? to the wall flying yeah. over us? So yeah. So weird. So weird. How are you preparing for him to come home differently than you prepared when he was coming home from deployments? Oh my gosh. Well, prior to all this craziness with the Rona, I would have told yeah. you that. I love how you talk about the Rona like she's the girl at school yeah. that you had no know. time for. Like, that yes. you just absolutely, you talk about her like she is your arch nemesis. Like, like his ex girlfriend or something. Like, yes, no. yes. I like, that, I like that that's who she's become to you, that this disease yes. has become she, that to yes. you. She is a pain in my butt, let me tell you. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So prior to that, it would have been very similar, you know, just like, having a lot of conversations about expectations and, um, 
just trying like both of us needing to realize that things are different for both of us. I mean, we have lived very, we have lived connected, but completely independent lives for 10 months, not lived together for 10 months. I have taken over the bathroom like completely. I have. I, know, I was going to make you tell that story about uh, your I mean, skincare routine, uh, how you're going to have to change. Yes. My bedtime routine is ridiculous. It takes, <laughs> like I stay up way too late. I spend all this time, like multiple skincare things that took way too long. Like all my, like my all my hair care products, like my hair dryer, everything all in his sink. I'm going to have to like find yeah. to put them. Um, I've just taken over and I sleep in the middle of the bed. Like our, my cat sleeps with me. Like yeah. <laughs> everything's different. And so I have to back out of all those things. He's also used to kind of like only being responsible for himself and getting his work done yeah. and, you know, um, doing, doing his own thing. And, but when he comes back, like, it's a little bit like that movie Inception, right? Where he's gone for a year, but it was like 70 years on earth or whatever it is. Yeah. And right. Like, everything's different. I'm like, yeah, the kids have changed so much. Like, they've grown, they've like, they're into different things. They have different friends. They talk and act differently. Our yeah. older two, especially the teenagers, like <laughs> are completely different. Right, and so right. he's going to come back and it's like, the house is the same. Certain things look the same, but the people in the house are acting very different and yeah. life has moved on very dramatically. And there's a psychological tension there, you know, when like life has gone on without you. And sometimes if you're not intentional about how you deal with it, it can be shocking and it can, you can feel almost like grief over missing that time. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a point where like having the crew psychologist to talk to about that kind of thing is super helpful. Like those are normal feelings. Here's how you get through them. Um, but I laugh when I think about the fact that like once he finally gets back to the house, we have not lived with him for 10 months and right. now he is going to be in this house with us. Like, and we are all here. Like it was yeah. already yeah. like re- reunions are messy, complicated things at the best, at its best. Right. And yeah. that was like yeah. when we knew the kids were going to go off to school and I'd go off to work some days. And yeah. now we're all in the house together with this like bizarro distance learning, can't leave the house quarantine schedule. Oh, right. And no so, one leaves. Yes. No leaving. Like, so it's like, welcome home. We're trapped <laughs> in a new type of space station, but it's our house. And we have right. a bunch of roommates who are considerably less considerate than the ones that you used to right. live with. You right. Know, these ones leave their crap everywhere. You know? Right. <laughs> these right. Ones, these ones do not clean up after food. themselves. Yeah. They don't right. think any of their own food. They don't think they're not considerate. They're always in your business. I mean, so it's like, um, it's going to be a crazy, crazy time of readjustment. I think just, uh, it's going to require a lot of prayer, a lot yeah. of patience. I don't really know what that's going to look like for him because normally he would continue for, you know, from this point on in the post fight period, he would go into work every day and go to meetings, oh, sure. testing and physical therapy. Cause for now y'all will still work at NASA. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We or will he will. Sorry. You have a different yeah. job. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I don't know what his like post-flight time would look like while we're still right. under all these restrictions for his own health and everybody else's health. So yeah, I don't know. Like we're just trying to stay flexible, have a good attitude. Right. <laughs> like, How do you prep the kids? I mean, there's gotta be so many friends of ours who are listening, whose 
dad or mom has been deployed or right. whose spouse has been deployed or whose spouse it travels for their job and is usually gone four or five nights a week. And now they are home all the time. All the time. Right. How do you even prepare your kids for what is about the new normal that is about to happen? I don't, that's a great question. If someone has the answer to that, please. <laughs> you're like, out. you guys hurry up. And yeah, you're like, Annie, can I you go mean, ahead and release this? <laughs> yeah. Could someone write a manual and like send it to me? I would love to I think to you are going to write the manual, Stacey. That's my, I'm that's part nervous. of our friendship is getting you to start write some of this. I'm nervous about that part of it. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to, I think the hard part right now, which is like from deployment side and other trips, the way I thought this was going to go, it's all about yeah. setting expectations um, you know, we had meetings like, um, it was very helpful. We had one of the crew docs come to our house and talk to us about what, what would dad, uh, how he's going to look a little different. He's going to be, you know, he hasn't seen the sun for like, you know, nine months going to be pale. <gasps> oh he's my gonna, gosh. That's right. Know, he'll be pale. He'll be pale. He'll be, he's like super jacked because he's been working out like crazy yeah. there, but his balance is off. Like he has, they have real balance problems for a couple of weeks and, you know, we have to be careful with him and he may have skin sensitivity and he may just be feeling off. And what does that look like? Cause from a kid's standpoint, that could be scary. They think he's sure. going to come back looking as robust as when he left. And that's not true, at least not initially. Yeah. So that was very helpful to prepare for that. And then preparing expectations for like what the schedule would look like. You know, I, I don't, I didn't want them to think like, yeah, he's going to come home and just be like on the couch uh, ready to play with you or talk to you all day. Cause right. I didn't, that wasn't the case. He was going to be going into work and you know, all that kind of thing. Now fast forward to today, <laughs> right. is, I don't really know. And I would think that's actually been one of the biggest challenges I think with all of this is setting expectations for the kids. It's far easier for me to be flexible and change like, Oh, we are, we are doing this or no, no, we're not. Or like mm. we can, we do, we will be able to see him or maybe we won't. Like I can adjust quickly. Yeah. you know, deal with my own disappointment or excitement or whatever. But when you have four kids, two of which are, you know, still pretty young, that's the biggest challenge is like, I want them to be excited about his return, but I don't want to tell them it's going to be one way and then it changed. Sure. Um, I also, but, but you do want to talk it up because you want them to be excited. That's right. So, that's right. You know, you can't like pretend. You don't want them, like, him to get home and then be like, right. cool. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, not like a surprise trip to Disneyland, like, we're not sure if we're going, so we just won't mention it until like we're gonna right. go. like they know he's coming home. We've been doing right. down. It's it's managing the expectation of like what what does that look like? And and truthfully, you have to manage like Drew has to manage his expectations too, because the you know, you think back to when you were a teenager, right? And your parents were like, Don't you know this like test is super important? And you were like, Whatever. This phone right. call to my boyfriend is like way more important than like anything right. in the entire world right now. Well, that's like the same. Like when Drew launched, like there was stuff going on in my kids' lives, like their math test or uh this summer camp they were going to, or this text from a friend was in some times more important to them than their fact that yeah. was getting launched into space because that's the teenage brain. And it's the same right. way at landing. I'm like, hey, Drew, like this is a big deal. You're coming home. Yes, yes, yes. However, I need you to know that like at certain times of the day, the fact that Lego Masters is coming on tonight is more important. It's going to really kids. matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What time is daddy getting back? Great. Will we be home? Will we be near a television at eight o'clock? Cause that's when Lego Masters right. comes on. Right. Like, right. Like, Cause that's the kid's brain. And like, and that's as an adult, we have to be like, it's not personal. 
it's yeah, it's just how kids are. Man, I just keep thinking about you, Stacy, and all that, all that God has entrusted you with. I mean, it's it's the kids and it's your own story and it's Drew's heart and mind as he returns it just and your job where you're doing ministry to students and you're the president of the NASA spouses, right? Yeah, I am. I am the board president for the spouse, the astronaut spouses group, which is like, yeah, used to be called, you know, back in the day, it was like the astronaut wives club, but now yep. we have a wonderful group of male spouses in our group. That's right. so we are the astronaut spouses group now. Yeah. And so we're, you know, it's a small, there's only a small group of us. There's less than 50 of us because there's less than 50 active astronauts who are married. Yeah. And yeah, that's an imp- super important support network for all of us because this is such a unique, like weird, sometimes, sometimes awesome, sometimes stressful, but certainly unique, no matter what lifestyle that it's really important that we are connected to each other because no one else really understands it. Like a fellow astronaut spouse. Right. So knowing what you know today and from what you knew 20 years ago, what would you tell yourself today about God and even yourself, Stacey? Like when you're looking 20 years in the future, what do you, what do you want to say to yourself of like, here's what I know about me and here's what I know about God? Gosh, if I could talk to myself 20 years ago, I'd be like, stop taking yourself so seriously. (laughs) Really? I mean, I definitely, I, hustled a lot more when I was younger, like, because yeah. I thought that's what I, that, I thought that's what God wanted me to do. And yeah. I thought that's what I needed to do to get ahead and like put myself forward. Just like hustle, hustle. I just, if it's not working, it's because I'm not working hard enough. Like if I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, it's probably because I haven't tried hard enough to figure mm. it out. And so I'll just work really hard and everything depends on me. Like if I don't do it, yeah. nobody will yeah. do it. If I don't do it well, it'll fail. And I think that's like with time and maturity and experience and seeing God move through my own failures. Um, yeah. You know, you like come to a place in your forties finally where you're like, oh gosh, like I wasted a lot of emotional energy worrying about stuff, planning stuff working 18 plans in case one of the 17 before that didn't work. Like, and really none of that was under my control. Like, yeah. And I just was like being busy for the sake of being busy. Like my wow. teenager would say I was being such a try hard. That's like, a yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I'd be like, you know, 25 year old Stacey stopping such a try hard. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, Cause I was, makes I was so much super sense. trying hard and I still work with excellence, but um, I like a compliment that one of my good friends gave me a while, maybe a few years ago. She was like, one of your best attributes is that, you know, when enough is enough. Mm. And, and I was like, is that a compliment? And she, was like, <laughs> and she was like, yeah, because many people will just push, 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 and they'll exhaust themselves. And you know, when like, it's good enough for government work, you know, yes. like when it's time to stop and it's like good enough for what is expected right now. Yeah. And I wish I'd learned that lesson earlier in life, like in, especially in dealing with all the unknowns right now about Drew's return and what that looks like for our family. Like the 25 year old me would be working 18 plans for every yeah. contingency so that I like was ready. And now, yeah. now I'm like, all right, let's just see what happens. We'll like, see how to, I, yeah. like, cause no matter what the sun is going to rise tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, God's got this. Those things are not changing whether we see Drew on day three when he gets back or on day 30 when he gets back, like, yeah, we will see him and it's okay because 
in six months, it'll all be a wash. And honestly, there's like bigger, more important things in the world than this right now than me. Yeah. Than me. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like there are bigger things yeah. in the world than me. I disagree with you. I disagree with you. <laughs> well, so tell us how, okay, for stars, can people watch the landing? Yes, you can watch it online on NASA TV. Or they also have a channel on YouTube. You can watch it. Now, I will okay. do it. It's at an ungodly hour. This oh, is it? Is it like the middle of the night? Because of that time difference. So the you know, Kazakhstan is like 10 hours ahead of us. So, uh, um, And they, of course, want to land in the middle, like late morning, you know, to the early part of the day so that if there's an issue, it's still daytime. So got um, it. That, may, that means it's always a terrible, terrible time for us to watch. So he's going to land just after midnight on the 17th. So, uh, okay. So literally the middle of the night between the 16th and the 17th. That's right. 12, 18 in the morning on okay. the 17th. And, okay. Uh, but don't worry. Don't set your alarms. Just they will replay it the next day. Like I tell people, we can I'm watch like, it when we wake up on the 17th. Yeah. Like I tell my friends, I'm like, I do not like the amount of love and care you have for me is not directly correlated to whether you get up at midnight to watch yes. this. Like yes. feel free to watch the recap on YouTube like, okay. like a reasonable hour, like 8 a.m. I mean, and then he gets back to Houston on the 18th. Yes, almost like exactly 24 hours later, usually. So I assume that everything goes right and we stay healthy yeah. and plans are as they stand today, which could be different in an hour. Who knows? Sure. That the kids and I will be on the tarmac when the plane lands. It's this like little jet that will fly them in yeah. at, um, this field right next to NASA, like back just after midnight on the 18th. So our friends who are listening that that love to pray, what do you want them to pray for you and for Drew and for the kids over this? Wow, that's great. Um, I would say, you know, pray for us through the adjustment of just yeah. learning to live with each other again. We're all different than we were 10 months ago. And so yeah. having grace, just like grace upon grace upon grace, yeah. layered with patience and understanding and not taking ourselves so seriously. You know, mm-hmm. like we're just going to have to be extremely good neighbors to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Flexible. Like it's okay. For, Drew and I are both rule followers. We both like structure. We both like routine and kind of letting go of that normal routine. Cause everything is just so crazy for everybody right now that like, yeah, that's going to be hard for us. So yeah, just, um, that our reunion together will be as, grace-filled and smooth and peaceful as possible. Yeah. Okay. We can do that. Um, and I promise that gives, that gives you and me two weeks to get through a show. And then I, I'm a pretty, um, excited friend and, but I promise I'll be chill once Drew's home so that y'all can have some time. And then I'll need to like start watching shows again with someone. Uh, it's okay. He probably like, we're probably going to need to take breaks from each other. Like, I think people think that like they come home and we like are standing there, like staring at each other. All, all right. Time. And actually, it's like a nightmare to think of me like working on the computer and him being like standing behind me, like, what are you doing? What are you doing now? Like, what's your plan? What are you having for lunch? Where are we going? Are you, what are you watching? What are you doing? Are you doing something? I'd be like, ah, get away. <laughs> Stop following you around. Don't you have like, isn't there somebody who needs to like draw blood off of you? Or isn't there some kind of physical therapy session you need to go to? Yeah. So, okay, good. No, so I guess so our aggressive friendship can continue. Yes, it will continue. It needs to continue for my own right. mental health. Same, same, to be fair. Okay, so the last question we always ask, though, that you do have to answer okay. is because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what you do for fun these days. 
what do I do? Okay. So right now the most fun part of my day is when I get out of my house without the children. And I, yes. I've like, I've been joking with my friends, like I'm going to be in the best shape of my life. when this <laughs> Cause you're running so much. Yeah. And I'm not a runner. Like I don't want to paint myself as like some marathoner who's like, Oh, it's like such a chore. Like, you know, for me, it really is like, I don't really enjoy running, but what I do enjoy is getting away from my children. Yeah. Or, <laughs> getting uh, a break. You know, yeah. An hour. And uh, there's this great path uh, near my house and it goes around this lake and it has like exercise stations. And let me tell you, I've I've run past these exercise stations a million times. Yeah. And never really gave them a second thought until, you know, quarantine began. And I'm like, you know what? I think I should stop and do some sit-ups because that'll add another five minutes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. a little, a little, you know, a little this, a little, yeah. Oh yeah, sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that anything to like get a moment to myself, I have a hammock in the backyard and I like, sometimes when I'm like really feeling like I'm trapped and can't get away from other people. I go in the hammock and I like pull the sides up. So I'm like in a cocoon and I'm like, yeah, I wish I could just be by myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you listen to when you're out running? Do you listen to sermons or do you listen to books or music or what's your thing? Yeah. <laughs> sermons. I wish I, I wish I could listen to sermons while I'm running. Uh, <laughs> I listen to pop music that like, I love playlists that are already curated for like high speed Yes. Uh, Cause nothing, nothing kills. Like when I'm at like really starting to hurt and I'm like, I just want to walk. I should just walk. And then like a slow song comes on and my brain is like, it's a sign start walking. So I like, right. so I gotta have like the high speed playlist going to keep the motivation up. Um, yeah. So listen to like pop music. Do you uh, just go on Spotify and look up the, the pop yeah. Playlist? Or like I, you know, or like iTunes, uh, on my phone, you know, like Apple music, it'll be like, you know, what like motivation, fitness, pop, uh-huh. whatever. And I'm like, yes. And it's stuff I've never heard before. I wouldn't turn it on in my house because half of them have words that I shouldn't have. Uh-huh. Right, sure, but, um, sure, sure, sure. When I'm out on the road with my earbuds in like, oh yeah. Right. Just go <laughs> for it. That's right. <laughs> go for it. Exactly. Right. I love it. Well, thank you for doing this, Stacey. You're very brave as my friend, as on the other side of the recording, but also in the the story you are living. I just am so impressed. Oh, thanks. Friends, isn't she the coolest? Oh my gosh. Hey, and don't forget, we saved some of our conversation for YouTube. So if you head over to my YouTube page, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of these videos or our Annie's Fun List videos we release every Friday. That is youtube.com slash Annie F. Downs TSF. Like that sounds fun. Annie F. Downs TSF. And go watch Stacy and I have a continued conversation about what it is like to prepare Drew to come home to a world that is culturally different than when he left, particularly in these very weird days. Didn't you guys just love her? Oh my gosh, I think she is so fun and so funny. And what a fascinating story from start to finish. Make sure you give Stacy a follow and tell her thanks for being on the show. She's Stacey Morgan 2000 on Instagram. And her husband, Drew, who is on the way back to earth, <laughs> is Astro Drew Morgan. Make sure you follow both of them. Tell her thanks for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and my house. All the places you may need me, that is how you can find me. Don't forget to go check out our new store, shopanniefdowns.com. I think you're going to love some of the stuff that is in there. 
And I think that's it for me today, friends. Stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will do the same. And we will see you back here on Monday with my good pal, Jen Hatmaker. Y'all have a great weekend. <laughs> 